Eve's Guide for Regular Guys. Tips and advice on developing confidence, embracing your style, and attracting the love and sex you want. Hi everybody, welcome back. I'm glad you could join me this week. I know it's been a while since the last um, Eve's Guide, but I've been, I've been sick with a terrible flu. I mean, it's been really, really awful. So if my voice sounds a bit rough, it's because I'm not 100% back yet, but I'm getting there and I just, I've been anxious to record. So I think you'll forgive me if I, if I sound a little bit, a little bit coldy. I'm going to have my, my lemon tea here. Excuse me. Mm. That soothes the throat. Okay. <laughs> so <clears throat> I hope you had a good time shopping. Thank you to those of you who sent me photos of, of what you tried on. You all looked amazing. And I hope you had fun. That's the main thing. I really hope you had fun. So this week, this episode might be a little bit shorter. I'm not sure, just to spare my voice a bit. But this week, I wanted to talk a bit about a couple of things that you probably haven't thought of before. Two subjects, really. The first subject might be mm, a little on the heavy side, but... I really think it's worth discussing. The second is more upbeat, so, you know, hang in there with me. It'll be worth it. <laughs> okay, so, first subject. This is for people who feel a kind of a despair or a malaise in their lives, which is based on what I call the timeline. Now, maybe you recognize this in yourself. It's not so much that your life is in a terrible state. Um, it's not that your daily life is really all that bad. But nevertheless, you have this nagging irritation in the back of your mind. You feel as though you should have done more by this stage in your life. No matter how old you are, you feel vaguely like you've missed the milestones that everyone else has achieved. And it's really starting to weigh you down. I hear this a lot, especially from people who haven't had sex with a partner yet. The older they get, typically the unhappier they become because they watch the years go by and they think, I'm getting farther and farther away from something I should have done in high school, like everyone else did. But you can also see it in people who haven't finished college yet, or people who still don't know what career they want to pursue, or maybe people who for various reasons are still living at home, that sort of thing. People who feel this sense of timeline pressure, you know, the ones who feel stunted by the fact that they haven't achieved certain things yet, these are often the hardest people to help because they've put internal limits on themselves. They've decided that they don't measure up to everyone else. It's not really an external benchmark they're trying to reach. It becomes an internal measure of self-worth. And it really doesn't matter how much you tell people like this, that there is no benchmark, that there is no normal, that everyone does things in their own time and at their own pace. Even though it's, it's all true, people don't tend to take that to heart. Just like all stages of our development from babyhood on up, there are general guidelines for when we start to walk or talk, but there's no hard and fast rule. And it doesn't mean that there was something wrong with you if you did these things early or late. The same is true for social and sexual development. 
some of us just mature, you know, for lack of a better word, sooner than others in certain areas. And I've certainly been very outspoken about the whole um, virginity question in general, how I believe it has more to do with uh, geography and luck. <laughs> if you manage to find someone in high school or college that you want to have sex with, it's got very little to do with how attractive or valuable you are. It's got much more to do with finding the right person in the right circumstance, you know, in that narrow window of time. If you haven't heard my um, Under the Covers with Eve episodes on virginity, I think you should have a listen. I'll link to them in the, in the description for you. But this isn't, this isn't really about virginity. It's about much more than that. It's about your image of yourself, what you thought you'd be, what you thought you'd achieve by this stage in your life. For some people, the typical midlife crisis happens at about the quarter life mark. You know, you start to look around at your, your young life, but you see nothing like what you thought it would be. Usually, it's in our teenage years when we begin to think that the world is going to unfold before us just magically. You know, we think we're immortal. When we really believe that we can become rock stars or movie stars or incredibly wealthy and famous, you know. And even if our dreams aren't that grandiose, we still envision ourselves graduating from college, getting our dream career, and of course, meeting one or two or several special someones, <laughs> you know. This is the promise of adulthood and freedom from our parents. This is what we all strive for. And the problems start when life doesn't spread out magically before us with quite that much you know, greatness when things don't tend to work out so well and we maybe we don't graduate or we don't get a great job or we don't meet special someones. I've noticed that when this happens, people tend to do one of two things. Either they remain in that perpetual teenage state for the rest of their lives, you know, always talking about getting the band back together and going on the road again, you know, always trying to stay youthful or at least young looking you know, getting tons of plastic surgery, hanging out with younger people, you know, younger boyfriends, things like that. Or or else, the opposite is they sort of collapse inward into, uh, you know, a quiet kind of despair where they don't really move forward. They just sort of move laterally through their lives. Maybe they don't act young anymore, but they don't really mature either. They remain in a kind of limbo, not really sure of who they are but acutely and vividly aware that they aren't what they thought they would be. Sometimes, too, we tend to develop this grass-is-always-greener type of wistfulness, especially as we get older. We think back and we wonder how different our lives would have turned out if we hadn't made certain choices, or if we had. We tend to idealize this as well. You know, we say things like, oh, if only I'd gotten that job, or taken that trip or finished that degree, my life would be so much better now. I actually, this is just a little aside, but it's, it's relevant, I promise. I actually started to develop an idea for a novel once, um, because I really like the um, Philip K. Dick Minority Report type stories about the future and technology, you know, to Total Recall, things like that, um, because I think it's a great way of examining our own values and philosophy. Anyway, in this novel. The idea was that if you were discontented with your life, 
you know, the, the, well, okay. The opening scene would be someone sitting in a cafe complaining to a friend like, oh, I wonder what would have happened if I'd gone to law school like I planned. I bet my life would be so much better than the mess I'm in now, you know, that sort of thing. The idea was you could use a service that would let you experience other timelines in your own history. Very quantum mechanics and, and all that. But basically, I mean, I hadn't worked out those little details yet, but, you know, this was just the German idea. And, and basically the idea was you could actually visit your own alternate history and experience life in that timeline. And the gist of this story was that no matter how many alternate timelines a person went back to, in each one of them, no matter how good or bad, they always ended up sitting with a friend, wondering, I wonder what would have happened if I'd done X. So the point of the story being, if I can put on my lit crit hat here for a minute, is that it's in our nature to wonder about alternatives, to imagine and to dream. We are gifted with the ability to imagine, but in, in some ways it's a curse because we can always concoct ideas about things that never happened or things that could have happened. We can fully flesh out a timeline in which everything worked out for us, where we got everything we wanted, where we had the life we dreamed of. But what we're not so good at is also imagining all the angst and discontent that we would still feel, even in this other alternate perfect life. We're very one-sided in this. We tend to see the alternate past through rose-colored glasses, and we imagine it would have been absolutely perfect, whereas our life right now is a complete mess. So I think it takes real maturity and insight to understand that no matter what happened, no matter how our life unfolded, without being able to see and compare other timelines, if you will, we would always be the same questioning, unsettled, unsatisfied people that we are now. Every life would have its share of problems. Every timeline would lead us to ponder other possibilities. Nothing would have ever been idyllic and perfect, no matter how tempting it is to believe that. So it's even more disheartening when Someone clouds their current life experience with depression or anxiety or low self-esteem because they believe that another life, another better timeline, would have seen them richer or cuter or happier, you know, better parents, whatever. And when they cling to this alternative as though it is what should have happened, um, but it didn't, and so they're just doomed, this is what leads to a lot of problems. So... If you're someone who might be doing this, if you find yourself kind of floating, kind of lost, not sure how to move forward because you feel your timeline is off and everyone around you is successful and getting married and all that, I, I want you to consider this. I want you to allow yourself to grieve for the life that you thought you'd have by now. Grieve for it and then just let it go. You probably haven't heard of the concept of grief applied to situations like this, but I think it's a very valuable application of the concept because you can grieve for any loss. And I believe that the loss of your idealized life is every bit as traumatic as any other kind of loss. If you've been carrying around this heavy burden, for example, um, 
a feeling like you should have lost your virginity in high school, but you're now 45 and it still hasn't happened for you. There's a very big part of you that is in mourning for the loss of that reality, that life. There's a part of you that feels as though something isn't right in your life. Something never clicked and you can't move on. If you're someone who never managed to finish college and so you're still living at home in your 30s, you need to address the loss of the life you thought you'd have by now. For some people, maybe you thought you'd lose your extra weight and be all fit and sexy by this point in your life, and each year that passes with the same body makes you feel antsy and unsettled. And what I'm saying is that whatever the situation is, you have to grieve for this alternate vision of yourself that never came to pass, and then just let it go. Now, I want to stress here, as I'm talking about this, that nothing I say should be taken to mean that you have to accept your present circumstances and just live with it. Far from it. You can change anything you want in your life at any time. It really is never too late. So all the things that you hoped you would have by now, you can still have them. There's no question. This is just a more subtle thing. This is about acknowledging that the life you expected hasn't happened yet. And how to learn to be okay with that. Because for so many people, the fact that something hasn't happened yet is the biggest stumbling block in their lives. It's not that they, they couldn't make changes and bring good things into their lives. It's that they haven't managed to achieve these things by now, and this depresses them into complete paralysis. So I'm talking about coming to grips with your timeline, accepting the life that you thought you'd have by now hasn't materialized in the way you want, and grieving for it. And when I say grieve, I mean it. Get angry with it. Scream and yell and cry if you have to. Take all the frustration you feel over how unfair life has been to you and just scream it out, you know, or write it down in a list. You know, all the ways life has not turned out the way you hoped. Just something that lets you vent. Nothing is too big or too small. Maybe you thought you'd be a professional athlete by now, or maybe you're just bummed that you don't get along with your your mother's new husband or something. Maybe you're you're bitterly disappointed that you haven't had a girlfriend yet, or that you can't get a good job. Whatever, it doesn't matter. We all have hundreds of these little grievances that make us unhappy. The point is, it's really hard to build a happy life for yourself. It's hard enough. You don't need the added burden of unfulfilled expectations on top of it, too. I know of one woman, for example, who never got over the fact that she had to deliver both her children via C-section. She had always imagined herself giving birth naturally, um, with no pain medication even. It was, it was her thing. It was a dream she cherished and one that she always imagined that she could make come true. But when reality interfered and it was safer to deliver both her babies surgically, she was so gutted by this that she never fully enjoyed her babies. She became obsessed with it. She, she had to join support groups over it, and she even tried to get pregnant a third time just so she could right this wrong in her mind. You know, she couldn't let go of the fantasy that she had built up, no matter what the reality was, no matter how it held her back from enjoying hers and, and her children's lives. 
So if you're experiencing any part of this, if you're lonely and frustrated and wishing you had gotten off to a better start in life, I just want you to acknowledge that and, and let yourself mourn for it. Don't be afraid to let it out. Feel the frustration. Cry and scream and punch pillows, whatever. Like I said, just get it all out because it's holding you back. And the sooner you let go of it, the sooner you'll be able to make the changes that you need to make. If it helps you to hear the message that there is no fixed schedule for when people are supposed to do anything, then great. If you can take this to heart, then I'll say it as often as you need. There is no normal in human experience. There is no timeline you have to follow, even one of your own devising. Things will happen when it's right for you, and you have to embrace that. And you have to look at everything that has happened to you so far as leading up to being the person you are today. So in some ways, you know, you can't really regret your scars. You can't really regret the problems that you've had because you wouldn't be who you are without them. So think about that if you're experiencing any of the things that I talked about. The second thing that I want to talk to you about kind of follows on from this. It's a way for you to clear out the cobwebs and start to focus on your future, but not in a linear, pressured kind of way. Do you remember last episode I mentioned getting magazines at the thrift store? Well, I hope you got some. If not, you can still do this exercise by finding images online and printing them out, but I think getting old magazines will be a little cheaper and easier. Okay, so the project is something that you may have heard of before. It's called a wishboard or a vision board. It's really, really simple. It's private. It's just for you. And I can tell you from years of doing this for myself, it actually works. Simply put, I want you to find a piece of cardboard that's roughly 18 inches square. Bigger or smaller doesn't really matter. It's just something fairly big, you know, bigger than a piece of paper. Then get a glue stick or some tape and some scissors and sit down with your magazines. Start going through the magazines and think about the things you want to bring into your life. It can be anything. It can be wealth. It can be relationships. It can be a good job. It can be a great body. It can be peace of mind. It can be creativity. You know, it can be anything that you want. And as soon as you find an image or even some text that signifies this for you, cut it out and glue it onto the board. So, for instance, if you want to be rich more than anything else, let's say, go through the magazine, and if you find a picture of money, or a dollar sign, or something that says money to you, cut it out and put it in the middle of the board. Same if you want a relationship. Look for a picture of a sexy couple, or a couple laughing and cuddling, or whatever you most want from a relationship. Cut that out and glue it to the board. And keep doing this for everything that you want in your life. If you want a certain car, if you want to visit a certain city, if you want a horse or a dog or a big house, if you want to get a six-pack or you want to get into mountain biking, you name it. I, I mean, anything. You can even find the little text that says inspirational things like attractive to women or money flows to me easily or anything that you find inspirational. The point is, to fill up this board with as many images just scattered and put anywhere um, as you can. Paste them all over the place. There's no order. There's no marks for neatness. This is just for you to see. 
and by the time you're done or almost done, it should be a collage of all kinds of different images and sayings. And I'm going to link to some examples of other people's vision boards so you can get an idea of how to do this. Now, once you're done, or as I said, somewhat done, because you can always keep adding to your board and you, and you should keep adding to it, hang it up somewhere that you'll see it every day whether it's your bathroom or your closet or whatever, just some place that you're going to look at it and make sure you look at it every day. And that's all you have to do. Just let your eyes roam over it every day, taking in all the images and phrases. If it were me, I'd make sure that it was at least half images and half words, not just all words and phrases, but that's up to you. Now, some people prefer to make their boards digital, by just photoshopping stuff together from around the web, kind of like a Pinterest sort of thing. And of course you can do that if you like, but I think there's something really powerful and real about doing it the old-fashioned way. You know, there's something about actually cutting paper and gluing it using your hands, and you know, it's kind of analog, but <laughs> actually flipping through the magazines, cutting and pasting, you know, really being involved in it, looking at it daily. I would start there if I were you. Start in the real world, which is where you want these things to happen for you. Okay, so why do this? Well, first of all, some people do this kind of thing as a sort of spiritual wish fulfillment, almost like it's a prayer or a plea to the universe to give them the things that they want. And if you want to look at it that way, like it's a kind of a law of attraction thing, if you want to believe that you're attracting these things into your life, you can you can think that, of course. But I think of it in more rational terms. I think the reason that this works is that it's a concrete daily reminder of the things that you want most in life. And looking at images of these things that you want sort of primes your mind to go about achieving it. It works on a subconscious level. It fills your mind with concrete images and examples of the things that you want to surround yourself with in your life. It makes um, the abstract more real. I may have mentioned this in other audios, and if I'm repeating myself, well, at least I'm consistent. But I often say to people, what does success look like to you? Or, you know, you say you want a relationship. Well, what does that look like? Have you thought about it? Have you visualized it at all? For most people, the answer is no. They really have no idea what a relationship would look like, would be like. They don't know what they'd want to do or how they'd want to feel. They can't imagine snippets of a life with someone, you know, what a day-to-day -day relationship would actually look like. They haven't imagined how they might meet the woman they love. They don't have the slightest idea how that would happen. You know, would she come to where they work? Would she come to work there? Would she move in next door? Usually these questions result in a complete blinking sort of blank out because most of us never go beyond the kind of vague, nebulous feeling of just want. And so because we don't, we don't recognize opportunities when they come up. We aren't really looking for love in any real way, so we aren't paying attention because we have no idea what we should be paying attention to. If you spend time actually concretizing the things you want, if you actually look for an image of a happy young couple 
I don't know, walking on the beach, for example, and you cut it out and you paste it on your wishboard and you look at it every single day, this image starts to go to work on your mind in ways that you can't even really identify. It starts to put this idea into your head. I'd like to find a woman I could walk on the beach with, or cuddle on the couch with, or have really amazing sex with, whatever, whatever you want. It makes it much more concrete for you, much more real. And what you'll start to do without even realizing it is that you'll start looking for those opportunities in a more focused way. Maybe it'll just mean you're more open to doing social things with people after work so that there's more of a chance you'll meet someone. Maybe it'll mean you actively start checking out Tinder or whatever for women who like walking on the beach, you know? The point is, all of this starts to work on you in subtle but very concrete ways. And it'll make you start to attract these things into your life. Now, I told you it, it worked for me. It's actually worked several times. And I'm going to give you an example. I once put a picture of an older model Jeep Cherokee on my board. I just loved those old 90s versions of the, of the truck. They were boxy, but they were rugged and they were really useful. And I just, I loved them. I just wanted one. And about a month after I did that, I was looking across a parking lot and I saw a car dealership across the street. And there was a gorgeous black 1990 Jeep Cherokee just sitting there. It was amazing. It was $1,500. And that Jeep took me across the continent of North America and back from Prince Edward Island in Canada to California through the Rockies and everything and back again. It was on the road for 22 years. I called it Jeepsy because it was such an amazing wandering spirit of a car. The point is, I don't know if I would have even been looking or paying attention enough to spot this car if I hadn't bothered to notice a picture of what I wanted and then cut it out and pasted it on my wishboard and looked at it daily. That's just, that's just a little story you can take it however you will. The point is, there's no harm in trying this. At worst, you'll just have some concrete images of the things that you like and want and which make you happy. But at best, you'll be priming your mind to bring these things into your life. So I really hope you'll give it a try. So, a little bit to think about this week, but I hope you, I hope you do think about it. This is all moving you towards the kind of confident person that I know you can become. So that's it for this week. Next week, I think I'll have some more style and grooming suggestions for you to get you looking and feeling your best. But until then, thank you for joining me. And remember, you are an attractive, interesting person worthy of love, and you're well on the way to finding it. Bye for now.